Sometimes she'll like she'll squat and like do the boost up, like she'll do the the fingers together to boost me. Yeah, I wonder if I should have a breakfast. I ate a I ate a bunch of cheese last night. Last night I was so <laughs> I was so high and exhausted after suffering through Bo is Afraid. I went to the kitchen and ate just like five slices of cheese <laughs> out of the meat drawer. You know what? I I really thought my first take on Bo was that there's no way to take it seriously. And I guess that's not a very correct take because the three or four people I watched it with last night all said that it was very difficult and uh, had a lot of like, you know, real deep trauma and emotional reactions uh, to the sort of emotionally manipulative just vibe of the whole movie of just the constant yeah constant narcissism and manipulation going on in the movie uh, despite the clownish nature of it uh, so yeah uh, everyone liked it and I guess a lot of people felt like it deserves to be taken seriously even though I feel like it's a it's an absolute circus and possibly the filmmaker just fucking with us it, I honestly, like, Ari Aster may have been fucking with us this whole time. Just, period. I mean, he actually, honestly, he is, though. Like, that's what his movies are. They are movies that are supposed to fuck with you. So it's not even, like, a revelation that I'm coming to. Uh, it's great. Bo is Afraid is great. It's three hours long and and an ordeal. It is absolutely an ordeal. Can I pick up a hand? Pick up a shoe. But it really is, it is tough. It, it's tough. Despite the clownishness, it is, it is tough. And it's three hours, and it's three hours long. I feel like I just, I need an object I can pick up. Is there another soda machine around here? I'm very tired today. I've been doing something called National Novel Writing Month. It's one of these, you know, online internet challenges where you do something every day for a month. Sometimes in November, someone challenges you to write a novel. So I've been writing a lot every day, and it's tiring, and... Yeah, and I'm not sure how much time I will have to edit and put this podcast out. Uh, I do intend to put out this one. This is the Bo episode, if it isn't been obvious. 
And uh, I will put out the Friday the 13th Part 2 episode, which has a bunch of people we recorded for it. A few other things like Kindred. And maybe one other thing, maybe the final Wheel of Time. Maybe I'll put that one out at some point this month. But really, if you've noticed, my I, I was going to... There was going to be a three-episode fortnight as I was trying to put out an extra episode over the past two weeks, and uh, basically it turned into a three-episode three weeks, so really we're right on track. Um, I might miss, it might, yeah, it might, maybe there will be a week without an episode this month, basically, is what I'm saying, because of National Novel Writing Month, but that's going really well. So far I'm on track, I'm above my word count for today, my estimated projected where I should be at word count, so... So that's good. So everything's going good. Uh, the soap company is going great. I am. I've got fairs these next couple of weekends, so I am going to be a piece of shit. And uh, also, yeah, Vampire the Masquerade is also my vampire game is also going good. So I'm very busy. I have lots of things going on. Yeah, I've hit the mid season of my Vampire the Masquerade game. I think of the first season. We've been sort of approaching it as a TV show. And uh, it's been we we end up doing several sessions per episode because we're adults now. We are you know in our forties and we can only play for a couple hours every now and then. So every two or three sessions ended up being an episode of the TV show, and we've done five episodes, and we're at our mid-season break, and now kind of everyone has made their power plays and are controlling their little areas of the city. We're doing a kind of the game I'm running, the characters are a little bit older, they're a little bit more established, they're kind of ready to run vampire domains, and that's that's what's going on. So that's a lot of fun. Everything's going really well. It is the fall of 2003. It has been a, as you know, a dank, mossy, kind of dark and introspective spooky season, and we're definitely continuing it with this one. So if you have not seen the film Bo is Afraid, I hate to keep starting these by saying... Don't listen to this. But really, this is a movie I feel like this one. Maybe I won't say this for a while, but today I think you should go watch Bo is Afraid before listening to this. You know, you're an adult. Uh, hopefully, you probably shouldn't be listening to this if you're a small child. But you can make your own decisions. And if you don't want to watch Bo is Afraid and you want to listen to this anyway, you're fine. I can't stop you. But uh, you might... Enjoy the film better if you're someone who enjoys film. You might enjoy it better if you don't listen to me and my friends describe everything that happens in the film, which is what we're about to get into. This is actually going to be three separate talks. Uh, one that happened right after the film, I believe that involves Weebs, Fickle Pickle Pie, and Alex. And uh, I then talked to Weebs again a little bit later, and half of that conversation that I talked to him about is actually going to be in... Um, the Friday the 13th Part 2 episode, which is coming up, and yeah, we actually get into Star Wars a little bit, because we will have an uh, Ahsoka. Someone taught me how to pronounce it, and I don't know if that's right, because I've been going around pronouncing it Ashika, uh, <laughs> which is totally incorrect, and I think even those letters are correct. I think I saw a, I think I saw the word Ash, which I don't think appears. I think the word begins A-H-S. So... Yeah, sometime in December, maybe, for the Ashoka, Ahsoka talk. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about that today when we talk to Neil. And then after that, I talked to T1BG for about an hour um, about Bo is Afraid. So, yeah, a bunch of stuff in this episode, a bunch of different segments coming up. And uh, I think that's 
that's it. Yeah, I'm writing a novel, so I'm very busy. These might come out a tiny bit slower, but, I mean, whatever. This season has been roughly once a week, some extra, some weeks I miss. You know, I'm happy with how the podcast is going and the rate at which it's coming out. So thank you so much to listening to Maybe We'll Talk, a podcast where your friend Dave talks to you, maybe, on the internet. Um, I'll talk at after all of this, I'll talk about how you can find my website and my Discord and come talk to us and get involved or just, you know, look at more of my stuff. But let's get into it. This is the end of Bo is Afraid, and this is the immediate reactions of the people that I watched the film with. It's certainly more coherent than that other one that we were watching with the kids making crystal meth necklaces. You think this is more coherent than Seamless? That's... wow. It's a very, like... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, yeah. Like, depiction of living with a narcissist, like, growing up with a narcissist for a parent as somebody with a mental illness. Yeah. So... Yes, things seem very, like, over-the-top, but also, like, there are instances of realistic things that have happened, generally speaking. Not, obviously not the peanuts. <laughs> that's where I was like, that's why I was like, that's the one thing that I'm like, yeah, this, like, realistically, maybe if it's, like, an animatronic that she put up there, I could see that. But, like, if that's an actual, like, legitimate thing that they're saying exists in this movie, like, <laughs> real no that's not that's not real she said that she said that it was his father yeah well given how much of a narcissist she is and how much money she's willing to spend to just to try to frame her son as like a terrible person that doesn't love her like pretending to kill herself and like still pretending like she's a good person like Yes, I can totally see her like hiring someone to build an animatronic penis and call it his father (laughs) Just to try to fuck with him even more. Yeah. Um, my initial response to never seeing anything about this before is um, this is what it's like to live with a, a deeply altered mental state that uh, you can't really understand what's happening. And that there's not too many conclusions to draw from trying to decide what's real or what isn't because the line is so blurred that it's impossible to tell for somebody living that way. Yeah, it kind of just is. Yeah. I don't know. It was gorgeous. It's tragic. I found it really hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it is very challenging yeah, uh, just it, because of its length. It's very very visceral for for me personally, having experienced a lot of people like that in my life, and like it's one of those things where it's like I I have had to question a lot of things in my life because people have tried very hard to convince me that things aren't real and shit like that where I'm like no like it's crazy that it happened but I know that it happened and like 
I'm not I'm not the way that you're saying because this crazy shit actually happened and like yeah sure. yeah no it's it's it it definitely like triggered like a lot of like uh growing up trauma and such like mm. yeah things are things are fucking wild when you're a kid and and experiencing things and like yeah especially mm-hmm. Especially anybody in that kind of a situation, like, geez, I'm I'm sorry for anybody that has to go through that. Oh boy, uh, yeah, really I feel like this is a good uh, growing up with narcissists. The movie. <laughs> and it's honestly, it's it's a thing where it's like, either he's literally paranoid schizophrenic, from second one or like these are legitimately people doing terrible things to him and he just has anxiety <laughs> i mean i mean but it's that's both or a little bit of both certainly there are some things even beyond the penis the guy that keeps yeah. running in and shooting people and blowing things up you know there's other things that seem to be clear manifestations I mean, there could I, be a I mean, man that keeps blowing things up. That could really be happening, but the penis could also yeah, be... Yeah, considering that they're talking about him having P- PTSD and they're loading up with so many drugs, like, even if they keep him stable for the meantime, like, if, if he's off those drugs and still struggling with PTSD, and, like... If we're looking at this... Go, please... Oh, uh, there's also the the reveal um, at her funeral that they've just been testing this kid with drugs since he was as old enough to swallow right. a pill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all yeah. getting photos on the wall. Weird reverse timeline thing, too. Yeah, so he's been been on prescriptions forever at this point. Yeah. You almost forget about the whole weird drug house segment that is the first, the, the second of four acts, I guess, is just drugs yeah. house, which like who and what and yeah, I have, I think that might be the part that I have more trouble believing that that's not some kind of hallucination than uh, his mom going through all of this trouble just to, just to abuse the shit out of him forever. Oh, the yeah. uh, the he, rehab home, his apartment. Is that what you mean? Oh no, I mean the the couple that like kidnap him and keep him on drugs with the girl that drinks paint. I think that's oh, yeah. like the, what's yeah. going so, on in this house. So much of that. There's series. a really there's a really interesting dichotomy in there where him seeing those future events is very much a paranoid schizophrenic thing. However, the mother saying stop incriminating yourself mm. with the note is very anti-paranoid schizophrenic <laughs> yeah because it sure like, seems like something you're having is a really paranoid schizophrenic on. attack you're not warning you're not warning just... yourself through the schizophrenic attack you're internally trying to react to the paranoid delusions you know and then she says watch the uh channel yeah. That'll show you. Watch Channel 78. That shows you the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really strange. So, like, it's just. 
I feel like it's I feel like yeah. a big part of what it what's going on as far as just the film is concerned is that the film wants you to be confused about what mm -hmm. is what could be in his mind, what could be real and yeah. what could be yeah. metaphoric and what could be what he's I feel like I feel like a lot of it is just supposed to invoke the type of feelings that Bo might be feeling in the situation yeah. more than anything approaching what's actually going on. I'm or, still yeah. not sure if there's an element of it's just a fucking movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all that's basically yeah, all the words that I just said, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. That it might just be completely allegorical. And I I still maintain that Ari Aster might just be fucking with us now. Fair. Yeah. Like he, you want like I'll give him something to talk about. <laughs> he certainly gave us something something to fucking talk about. Yeah. Here we are. I know I can't get over it. Every time I'm always anytime any movie is is over two hours long, I have something to say about it. But I really feel like it's a well, first of all, it's a credit to this movie that two times now I have sat and watched it for three hours. I've not I can't say that about any other movie. I I, just I would watched, be more uh, willing to rewatch this than to rewatch Castaway, let me tell you that. <laughs> Castaway is a three-hour movie? Get out of here. No way. It's long. It's like two hours and 40 minutes. Several. Wow. It has several, like, long. Yeah, <laughs> I, I only saw it the one time in theaters, but just yesterday I, I watched two VHS tapes uh, for the first time ever watching The Godfather Part 1. Oh, ah. wow. That's a, yeah. And that's, yeah, it's like that's two hours and 55 minutes. Yep. Yeah, really big movies with like more than with with big kind of structure. Like there's a lot of there's more than three acts, I guess, which is seems like a seems almost simplifying it because The Godfather is a complicated movie. Just this is a complicated movie, not just emotionally but structurally as well. Like there's a lot of just weirdly yeah. the structure changes. I mean, he goes to a cartoon play that we haven't even mentioned yeah. <laughs> of yeah, his own yeah. life where he meets his imaginary sons from another timeline yeah. so <laughs> that was definitely hallucinogenic yeah okay in yeah. some way yeah that didn't even we did i feel like that the mind real. just glosses yeah. over that part <laughs> yeah no like there were there are certainly points where it's like this is clearly hallucinogenic which is yeah. why the parts that aren't are so much more confusing because it's like there's so many elements of this that are just normal like very very like extreme ends of humanity but like these are things that humans actually do to each other type of thing and like this could easily be reality for a person and so it's like you get these points that are just like this is clearly hallucination and you get points that are like this could really just be real and so it mixes that a lot and makes it that's part of what makes it like is is this actually real like is this actually happening to him because like this is, this is yeah. an insane amount of things to happen to one person in such a short period of time <laughs> yeah it, it oh. almost it's almost so much so to the point where you can't decide what's real and what's not because yeah. it's like you're made mm -hmm. you're made to question everything because everything is too much mm -hmm. yeah
Everything was, was two and a half much. hours. Yeah, so. just. Oh, what was two and a half hours? Castaways, two and a half oh, hours. Okay, okay. Still long, long for what that movie is. Very, very long movie. Most movie runtimes being like hour and forty max. Hour forty, I think, is like perfect. Yeah, especially for like that that era in general. Like, I, yeah. I find more and more movies today just keep getting longer, so that you have to sit through them and. <laughs> not as good I feel like you're mostly talking about like cinematics like the Marvel movies and stuff where they spend like every 10 minutes they give you a minute and a half like wide pan circling the group of current heroes that yeah. are <laughs> doing something <laughs> just to extend the runtime. but yeah I, I think this one is really good because I don't feel like like it was a lot, but I don't feel like any of it was extraneous, you know. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I like I like that. Doing too. something just to add. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Like I really, could, I really like that they could, they could technically have done it in one act and been like, Yeah, you just don't know if he's crazy, but like really cementing it in and like several like several different iterations and like types of like interactions with like vastly different groups of people like really really sinks it in and makes it more compelling i guess of of, like a thing to think about like if you just have if you just had the first act and like he ended up with his mom and she was crazy and stuff like that like you would have been like okay well maybe he's crazy maybe i i I don't know it's not really a question that you're pondering for any period of time, you're like, yeah, that was just a weird movie. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, going through, like, a somewhat normal-ish family and having crazy things happen like that, and then having, like, the forest group of hippie people, like, and having crazy things happen in there, and then, like, going home and having super crazy things happen there. Like, just... Each each one is so unique and still adds to the narrative of the insanity that he's dealing with. And it, and yeah, and it all it all helps develop him as a character. It's almost like, but that's almost when it leans into the it's just a movie thing. If you look at it like each of these is a very specific scene to describe a very specific yeah. set of anxieties or problems he might have. So it's obviously very clearly all these things ran a row just for us to see who he is. Yeah. I think if you look at it in that context, it might even be the point of it to have it be like, have that reach that point where it just starts being ridiculous and kind of like removes you from it. Hard to take serious at points. Yeah. Which is crazy for a movie that has such upsetting content in it. Like that's just, yeah. Which is why there's a, disconnect yeah i i think that that is almost you could say that that's the point at the end of having that like crazy disconnect is so that you're not like so emotionally bound to it because like if that had been just a horrible story about a guy with a narcissistic mom that had anxiety and like had all of that shit happen to him i would feel terrible right now but that right now we're just instead discussing how weird and crazy the movie is. 
So really, yeah, I don't like the fact that it's the fact that it is so silly on top of being so serious is what that's part of why I say I don't understand who it's for or what's going on or why he did this because it really like it. Yeah, there, there's the level, the level of like cartoonish. What the hell is happening right now is really hard to take. I don't know if you guys, yeah, I don't know who has seen Hereditary, but Hereditary was like so dark, so grim, so serious about this kind of family trauma and awful, you know, terrible things saying, people saying terrible emotionally manipulated things to each other the whole time. But just like, that was just super grim and probably very realistic. Well, there's a demon in it, but. <laughs> I this think, movie is like yeah, the I cartoon think... version. Yeah, I I think I think that directors do that on purpose. I, I feel like that that's that's the intent of it is to bring you back to this is a movie. This is not a real person. You don't have to think about this being real in your own life. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This is like really reminding you this is a cartoon show. This is man. Yeah. Maybe it has to to get this like mean because it's mean. This is a mean yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it kind of makes you wonder, like, did they cut anything from this movie? How could they have? It's every, oh, everything. Oh, my God. I bet the deleted scenes are just so terrible. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Joaquin Phoenix plays a great, crazy person. That is that is definitely his, his role. <laughs> he was... Maybe the first was he the first person to wear a tinfoil hat? Possibly, I don't know. <laughs> it would have been in the movie Signs. A, a young Joaquin Phoenix put a tinfoil a tinfoil hat on. He had the little kids wear tinfoil hats too. I don't know if that's. I don't know if tinfoil hats were. I don't know if they came from that movie. Or if it's always been that, a... Yeah, you would think that's only like during the era of like RF transmissions being more prominent. Like where 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 would that why would that come about was because people received their TV signals through uh antennas. So they're like, okay, we'll just put tinfoil hats on our heads to keep the aliens away. He was in the village too. What? Yeah, he's in the village. He's in Ladder 49. He's in You Were Never Really Here. <laughs> he's a recurring, recurring actor. Is he a crazy literally, guy in uh, the village? He's literally irrational man. What? The irrational man is his role in what? In, no, the movie Irrational Man. Oh. He was the, <laughs> he was the irrational man. Yeah, I guess if you want someone to play a crazy person, hire oh. Ian Phoenix. He had he fell in love with uh, his computer one time. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. with a uh, with Spike Jones, Johansson. Yeah, Scarlett. He was one of the animal name? people. Uh, it was called her. Yep. Uh, yep. What was, what was her name in the? Ooh, Siri. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't recall. I feel like I watched that movie a couple times. It was good. 
he calls up a phone sex for him, and the lady wants him to describe how he's strangling her with the corpse of a dead cat. Oh. Bizarre. He doesn't like That's it, but he goes through with it. <laughs> Is she? That seems like him. Does Ryan Gosling's girlfriend in Blade Runner like hire a real prostitute so she can stand with her hologram? Yep. I think her does something like similar. Interesting. But her doesn't have a hologram. I don't recall. I I really can't remember her name. I yeah. feel like I feel like I well maybe I can find out. Her Samantha. Was it was it Samantha? She's. I feel uh, like computer AI yeah, with Samantha. Yeah, that seems that seems really likely. Yeah. Spike Jones, uh, kind of kind of a weirdo. He directed some music videos, I think, and a movie called Adaptation. I did not see. The yeah, Nick Cage film one. Yeah, that was the same director as her. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one. That was that one's. I've only seen it once, but it's lasted with me for a long, long time. Same with her. I'll put. I'll put. I can't believe I am. I'm actually kind of surprised. I've not never watched adaptation, so it should be on my list of things to do. I watched it because I liked being John Makovich. Oh, is that Spike Jones also? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not really the same kind of thing. I think none of his movies are the same kind of thing as the others. It was a good movie. I I would recommend it to people. That's I I would preface it with it is a three hour long movie and basically exactly what you said. Like it it's an ordeal. Yeah, it's it's a three hour long ordeal of watching somebody just be tortured. Yeah, you know I really the my memories of the first time I watched it I really really felt like his balls came up more <laughs> during the movie after the first time I watched it. This time it seemed like well, there, it was less centrally about his balls, but I mean, it kind of is yeah. all about his balls. And it kind of is. Yeah. Really, that's that's the core message of the movie is his balls. balls. I know when he gets into the bathtub, when the man is in the ceiling above the bathtub, <laughs> there's a tiny two seconds you see a giant swollen ball as he steps into the bathtub. That I didn't notice yeah. on my first watch. <laughs> and also when he gets hit by the car. Oh, that's what I first flash falls against the window. Oh, that's what I noticed uh, the first time. I was like, "What the fuck is up with those balls?" And then when the guy, you know, confirmed it by at the dinner table, testicles. They're <laughs> swollen. <laughs> very good. Swollen testicle movie. But I mean, I think once that as and me stoned at four in the morning. Once the swollen testicles were on the table, I was sitting down. I was like, "All right." Swollen testicle anxiety movie. Here we go. I'm on board. Yeah, I like it too. I recommend it also because I had to sit through this thing. So, oh, it's not even like it's not it's not a movie that I feel like I should force people to watch just to because what the fuck like the the necklace drug kids movie like absolutely I would say people should watch that. I don't recommend it, but you should still watch it anyways. <laughs> You're going to hate it. It's not a good movie. It's, it's nothing about it is good, but you need to watch it anyway. 
this movie is like the kids drug necklaces movie. it's not a feel good movie but it's <laughs> no yeah right no but that's right but not every you know it's you know what it's good that we get some movies that are not the feel good summertime fun jam of the summer yeah yeah and not just a jump scare type thing where it's exactly yeah. just like yeah. existential dread of dealing with other people and like how terrible this, people can be because this is a horror this is a horror movie yes. there are no ghosts that jump out except for the spider on the guy's face oh i hated that yeah that did act that actually scared me this time. just literally jumped on his face like oh. for no reason but so though there was a whole setup here's here it is this is what happens in this movie he gets bit by that brown recluse spider in the first scene and dies. And this is all his dying hallucination with his anxiety of going to see his abusive mother tomorrow. Yeah, Jacob's they... ladder shit, yeah. And there's many oh, points they... in this movie where it could be, oh, he died right here. Honestly, at yeah. the end of every scene, he kind of dies. He gets hit by a car, yeah. he gets blown up in the woods. To be honest, very John dies at the he end. took his pills without water... Right, yeah. that was that oh. kind of moment. Yeah, sure, it could be. It could be. Any of it could be. There's, And that's why I say it could be Ari Aster going, all right, make up your theories. Here's all the bait you need. It's all bait. <laughs> like, yeah, it's 500,000 points that you can create theories out of good luck. <laughs> Nothing that I'm saying, if it sounds negative about this movie, is actually. Because like, I, I think Ari well, Aster is... Uh, cooler than so here's, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. Oh. So here's the here's the crazy thing about the the whole like drug thing. Yeah. Why was the construction worker in the morning after he was sitting outside of his apartment drilling yeah. a hole in the scaffolding? <laughs> Good. Right there. Yeah. Why? <laughs> That's yeah. Mm. So much. So much of it is yeah. Why? It's like, the, just to, just so it could fall, like, just so it could, just so it could fall on Bo's face, like Bo is, you know, completely to be disregarded. Here's a crazy he man in the wall. <laughs> he could have drilled in the wall and still gotten dust on him. Why was he drilling specifically into the scaffolding? Like, what? <laughs> the scaffolding? You're not building anything in the scaffolding. The scaffolding is there for you to build things on the building. <laughs> so. Like, it very much could be he's dead at that point, or at least, like, hallucinating and, like... Yeah, yeah, exactly, any of the above. But, yeah, but, yeah, but, I mean, even when, even think little things going on in the background don't make sense. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, like, yeah, layers of layers of how bad could... Just anything, any little scene, there's something, like, like, his fucking... The close-up for... A whole 45 seconds of his pen running out of ink. Like, just everything going wrong for him. Just his bath... Mm-hmm. Just the, the scenes... The bathtub overflowing into the living room and him just not caring. Like, maybe two or three shots of water just flooding everything. Just all kinds of things to be anxious about. Whether or not they're even what's actually driving the plot at the moment. Brilliant. Brilliant, terrible, horrible anxiety movie. Write down your notes and let's watch it again. (laughs) Um, I am going to kind of... This is my Wheel of Time movie. (laughs) (laughs) Watch this once a year and just... 
Wow, wow. <laughs> I mean, that would be real. That's a real strong review right there. Um, but I am going to go through, I am going to collect my thoughts a little more, and I will, yeah, I'll see if... Yeah, weaves on Tuesday night are figuring to go by, and... Well, I can hear it, Pete. Ahsoka was uh, pretty darn cool, I am Yeah. Um... I did not watch it at all. Do you um, have Disney Plus at the moment? No, but basically whenever I feel like, whenever I decide there's something I want to watch, I get it for a month right. and cancel it immediately. Yeah, that's probably a good plan. They've um, kind of run out of stuff to keep me engaged on a monthly basis. That said, though, I um, after Ahsoka, I started watching season two of Loki. Ah, yes. That is that I am going to watch. Yeah. Um, two episodes so, so far or more than that? Right Just two. What do you think? You like, you like Owen Wilson? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like Owen Wilson. I like the um, woman who plays Sophie. Oh, yeah. Um, Shortstop is in season two now. He plays Ouroboros. Is it Data from The Goonies? Um, Yeah. Wait, not short, round. Short, um, yeah, whatever. I was thinking about... um, Indiana Jones? Yeah, his name, but yeah, Indiana Jones. I feel like yeah, there is that, a character that... somewhere named Shortstop. Short Round is Indiana Jones. Gotcha. Well, yeah, that guy. His character is pretty good. Are those the same guy? Is Short Round Data? Data? Friends Spiner? No, the Goonies, there's a character named Data. I'm about to Yeah, the um the kid with the uh uh boxing glove. Gadgets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the inspector gadget boxing glove. Oh my yeah. god. Oh my god. Yeah, um, that's right, man. Am I about to be is it racist if I thought those were two different actors? <laughs> It'd be racist if they were two different actors. And, and I thought they were... were the same one. Oh, so we're about to right. find out which one of us is um, racist. Did you see um, Everything Everywhere All at Once? No. Really? I heard it was neat, and I never caught it. I super, super duper recommend Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, okay. It's a, it's like a, it's got like a Scott Pilgrim movie energy. It's got, it's like once it nice. starts going, it's just like, what the fuck am I watching? There's, right. oh my god, known for everything, everywhere, all at once. Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom, and The Goonies, 1985. Yep. Ouroboros. 
Yeah, I don't know anything about the um, uh, mythical history by that name, but yeah. Um, yeah, he plays a like the um, was it the LVA, the uh, in a time agency the, or whatever that they all work for. Yeah, the what? Yeah, uh, the He's time variance agency or something. Yeah, TVA. That's TVA right. is it? Okay. Yeah, he's IT basically. Ouroboros is a snake that surrounds the world and eats its own tail. And interestingly enough, it's an entity that huh. is sort of, it sort of embodies the idea of being everywhere all at once, kind of. Interesting. It's an, it's so an what... infinite being that is everywhere, kind of. I see. Okay. Um, what's an Amphismena, then? Amphismena? Bena. Oh, that doesn't sound like something I know about. It's a... Amphisbena? It's a two-headed snake. Or oh, a dragon yep. or something. Okay. I thought that was her birth. Oh, okay. Amphisbena sometimes has a head at the tail end of the head. Right. Okay. Yeah, similar weird... Amphisbena. It was spawned from the blood that dripped from the Gorgon Medusa's head as Perseus flew over the Libyan desert. Wow. Um, cool. Yeah, mythology is awesome. I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's like a character called Ouroboros that I know about in the Marvel comics, but I don't think I, if I do, it's, yeah, it's a deep cut. Hmm. Other than Loki and Ahsoka, I haven't really watched much TV. I watched a few episodes of, um, Interview. Oh, with the yeah. Vampire. Yeah, did you kind of not fall through? Yeah, I kind of stopped when they picked up the, um, I forget her name, but the Claudia. girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah, weird... she's a little too precocious. They make it a little, they make it a little safe by making her like 17 or something. Because mm. she's in the book, she's like 10, and it's like yeah. even creepier than the movie and the movie was a lot creepier with her being like an actual young girl she's like young but she's basically i mean i don't know how old she's supposed to be in the tv show but she seems like basically an adult yeah i was gonna say probably 22 playing 17 something like that yeah exactly so there's a there's definitely a serious creepiness that is lost yeah I really like that show. I, yeah, it's um, not bad. Production values there. Yeah, I think I think the Lestat is the guy that plays Lestat is in, is insane and monstrous and amazing. I feel like is Guardians of the Galaxy three on Disney? Uh yes. 
I know I saw it, so it probably is. They gave me, like, I feel like... Either that or Amazon. I talk about this one guy all the time. Because I, because it really, there is a lot, there is a lot we can learn from this one guy. But this is how, I guess Star Wars even, well, Star Wars was a whole different thing. Because, you know, I was 19 and I had to see The Phantom Menace and it crushed me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Crushed my hopes for a better future. Dude, that's, not to derail, but that's one of the redeeming things about Ahsoka. Oh, no, yeah, tell me about Ahsoka. That yeah. it taught me that George Lucas is basically a piece of shit director. Wow. At least in his later years. So, my major, one of my major gripes with the prequels is that Hayden Christensen sucks. Okay, sure. But he's fucking rad in Ahsoka. Okay, okay, sure. I feel like I liked him. Yeah. See, I liked seeing him in Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. So Dave Filoni is far and away a better director and storyteller than oh. um, 60-year-old George Lucas. A lot of people are really saying nice things about Dave Filoni. Yeah. <clears throat> That's all. all right, so maybe maybe I should watch that before I talk to these guys. Maybe That's I'll try and watch cool. it this weekend. I just feel, and you know what? Because I did like Obi Wan, but I, the Mandalorian and Boba Fett, I just couldn't pay attention to, and I have this, I have this resentment for Star Wars. Mm, sure. Which is hard. It's really. It's still to this day. <laughs> it's it's like a childhood. Oh man. I, uh, yeah, I got, I should, I should, I honestly, I should not care, but something in me hates Star Wars. Honestly, Ahsoka herself. Yeah. Um, probably my least favorite part of that whole show. Interesting. And she's a cartoon character from the cartoons, but there are movie characters in this show also. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, a continuation of Clone Wars. Is there some that's what um, Ian is gonna talk about? He likes he knows Clone Wars. Okay, he'll be able to tie it all together. But you don't need to know Clone Wars; just kind of that it exists, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You ever, Jesus Christ. I, Jesus Christ. <laughs> What's that? I, so the art, you know who Ari Aster is? This is yep. what I, I was going to ask you about Ari Aster. Uh, I, and basically as soon as the name popped into my mind, it occurred to me that I watched a short film that he made, I think in, as a college, like his college, you know, project, like a short film. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Like, 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 as far as like, as far as I don't recommend that you look it up. I don't recommend that because if you look up Ari Aster's short film that he made in college, you might end up watching it and then you'll have to think about it for the rest of your life. 
It's so much worse than the other three movies that he's made. Tale of Two Films? Sorry? Tale of Two Films? That's not, no, that's not the one I'm talking about. The one I'm talking about is The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. Do not watch that. Ah. Don't. Jesus Christ, don't watch that thing. Like, oh my God. I'm so upset that I watched it. It, It's like the fucking Shining Bear. Now it's in my head. Oh my God, it's so upsetting. Well, you've piqued my interest. I know, I was... (laughs) It's a half hour long and it's fucked up. Um, Have you seen Hereditary or... Midsommar? No. No. Oh no. Okay. Well, I recommend those movies too. Um, none of them are like Bo. None of the things, none of those three things or anything that I've seen is like Bo. Bo stands alone. Yeah. Um, Hereditary is pretty upsetting and it's pretty. There's a lot of like family members screaming, I never loved you at each other in Hereditary. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of upsetting. So it's it's on the same kind of thing as Bo, but it's sure. But like I said, there's a demon in it. It's about a you know a possession. So it's a lot more down to earth. There's no hallucinating, really. <laughs> uh, yeah, really, nothing. None of the movie and Midsummer is so straightforward. None of these movies are like Bo, and Midsummer is upsetting because there's people being murdered in it. Midsummer is the most straightforward thing that he's done but yeah hereditary is that that kind of emotionally abusive manipulation upsetting shit going on that carries into Bo. but then it's like i really my take on Bo was that it's so my first take was that it's so goddamn cartoonish how could you even be upset by anything happening in yeah, my first impression of Bo was that it was going to be a movie where bad shit happens to one person uh-huh. the entire time. It's not really a, like, meet the fuckers type no. uh, trope, you know? Sure, of that but, kind of bad things, things just yeah. going wrong, the Murphy's Law kind of movie. That's not what this but is. But it does have its ups and downs. Oh, yeah. Some of it is, some of it is just so long. Some of yeah. it, some of the things just go on for that. The whole I, even even though there's a whole section where he goes into a hallucinatory stage play where some storyteller or dungeon master is narrating, even though that happens, the part that I that to me feels like a whole other movie is when he's in the kidnapped drug house with the girl that drinks paint. Yeah. Like I feel like that could have been a whole different movie. Like like what is even Yeah, and that's I mean I think and that's why I feel like the guy that keeps running in to shoot people and blow things up is like I feel like maybe that's the most hallucinatory part. I really think the guy that comes and blows things up is some kind of metaphor for just the the final anxiety meltdown when he just can't take it anymore. An imaginary man comes in shooting an Uzi. So what happens after that? He um, makes it out of the woods, gets picked up, and then is brought to his mom's funeral? 
Yeah, he gets picked up by some guy after the whole thing of how he couldn't get to his mom's house and he had to take a flight originally. He wanders through the woods and some guy picks up in a truck and drops him off there. Just like, here you go. Now you're here. So he had to go through. He had to be kidnapped and take drugs and watch a girl drink paint. And then he had to go to Imagination Land to end up at his mom's funeral. The whole thing is, yeah. I really think that, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's obviously so heavily drenched in metaphor and allegory and just the language of cinema. Yeah. So, yeah, I really think more of it is unpacking what each scene is saying more than like what actually happened to this guy in the story. It's really not a story. There really isn't like a guy. I mean, he goes from point A to point B, but like, mm. yeah. At some point, I'll watch it again, but not any time soon. You heard of a movie called Men? No. Yeah, I re- I, yeah. So two other anxiety movies. That I, I heard of Rose. Rose? Bros. Bros. Okay, that's probably yeah. not the one I'm talking about. No. But that I'm would be scared. really funny. <laughs> to <laughs> It would be really funny if people wanted to watch the movie Bros and you invited them over and put on Men instead. <laughs> Men is a really good anxiety movie. And uh God, I got to watch it again. I can't even remember what even ends up being. All I really, I'll tell you what, something in that movie. I hate it when I feel like I'm spoiling something just by describing how extreme it is. But there is something in that movie that is one of the most extreme things I've ever fucking seen. And to an extent where it's the only thing I remember. Like, I don't even remember if there is an answer to why weird things are happening or if it just goes ballistic. <laughs> hmm. But for most of the movie, it's one of it's, you know, it's a woman, she's in a cabin and like various men approach her in various reasons. And it's all, it's always some kind of high anxiety scene where, you know, they seem like they're kind of joking about being aggressive or something, but there, there's kind of, you know, and there's a lot of tension in the scene and all of that is actually really well done until the until i'm gonna watch that one i'm making a list of things i gotta i'm gonna watch that one again maybe i'll stream it in here because uh something really deranged occurs in that one so it's not just about guys being dudes it's not just about that no it is certainly not about that and i don't remember exactly what it's about except for the insane thing that happens in it (laughs) I really don't remember like if there even is an explanation but something yeah something supernatural occurs that's for sure how about mandy man mandy rules okay all right (laughs) mandy was great
That was, by the way, that was AKA Weebs from Discord, who also goes by Flyosity when he is making some music in years past, which I have been using on the podcast. Want to say thank you to him for that segment. And yeah, we'll be talking to more people about Asuka and other, other concerns coming up. On Maybe We'll Talk, and uh, in the segment beforehand uh, that we had, on the segment beforehand in which we had just finished watching the movie, um, as I said in the intro, that was Alex, Fickle Pickle Pie, and Weebs. Um, Alex, of course, talks to me about Wheel of Time, and Fickle Pickle Pie is reading Wheel of Time with us as well, and maybe we'll talk about Wheel of Time with him. So, uh, yeah, thanks to all of them for watching this movie with us. And uh, I also talked to T1BG from twitch.tv slash guy. This is always a fun time, so here we go. Oh, hey, um, here comes complete and uh, vulgar spoilers for the movie Men. Obviously, we're spoiling Bo. Probably a bunch of other things have already been spoiled and will continue to be. Um, I probably should have warned that this podcast was going to be gross. You know that thing that happens in the movie Men? <laughs> what, what thing are we talking about specifically? Are you sure? Do you do I do I truly need to be specific about it? It's just a little, you know, existential crisis, trauma, relationship, birth. You know, it's a little. It happens all the time. Well, it's a sequence of births, really. A sequence of them, really. Okay, so I was. <laughs> God, I was describing this movie to somebody, and really, all I remember is a, a human body giving birth just over or the one coming out is then giving birth and right that's that's the only thing i remember about the movie so i didn't know if there's is there something supernatural going on or is, does the movie become symbolism at that point oh it's definitely very surreal it's definitely you can't i don't i don't know if you anyone really upon trying to analyze it could seriously take it literally because there's things about it that just don't make any sense that are that clearly exist just for the audience. Okay. Yeah. Just for the tone of the of the film. Like she runs into the one guy who the one actor guy everywhere and it's like, well, she doesn't seem to to notice that anything's up with the fact that all these people are being played by the same guy. So it's like it's that a thing that doesn't exist for her. It's just symbolism. It's just it, 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 and it's symbolism just for the audience. Like for her, it's probably not her running into uh, Rory Kinnear playing every person, right? Yeah, <laughs> probably. But yeah, but that's the same kind of question we have to ask ourselves about Bo is afraid because. So much of this is so bizarrely cinematic that is this whole thing 
just a metaphor? Is it all just cinematic language to describe just every single type of emotional abuse and anxiety a person can suffer? Yeah. Okay. Good. That's what I think. We did it. We did it, everybody. <laughs> <right>. Solved it. <laughs> figured it out. I think... <laughs> Discourse over. We figured it out. My my first read, which you're probably aware of, is that there's no way you can take this movie seriously. Like, and I'll tell you what, at 9.34 in the evening, which uh, is basically exactly halfway through this movie, I wrote less balls than I thought. I really recall less balls than I thought. <laughs> the first, because <laughs> another first impression of this movie was, boy, this every single scene this guy talks about his balls, and I guess he doesn't really. Even from that point on, I thought there would be more balls from that point on, but that was one of the reasons that I was like, well, this can't, this giant testicle man movie can't be, it can't be processed in any type of serious way. He's giant testicles. I mean, the film is described as a surrealist, tragic comedy horror film. Wow, all those things. All, all those things. And it, I think that, yeah, it, it makes sense if that's what we're calling it. I think that, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess... So right now, and after talking after talking to people about it, you know, for an hour or so afterwards on Sunday, maybe the answer to the question, who is this for, is everybody. Maybe everyone should have to watch this. Maybe it's about... I was going to say, going into it, I was very excited for this film. I enjoy Ari Aster, even though he's a sick, weird, gross man. Because I thought, this is my general opinion about Ari Aster. His previous films are films that I enjoy and definitely get a lot out of. But I feel like the worst part of them is the horror aspect. Like he just wants to make artsy drama films. And he feels obligated to include horror stuff because he's working with A24. Is what it felt like. Like he would just make a surrealist drama comedy film if if he was able to. And so I was like, okay, now he's getting the opportunity to make that. And it turns out that this, this is not what I wanted either. <laughs> turns out that I, him just doing that, if it's going to be like three hours long and this, nope. Turns out that he, it's, it's a, there's a, there's a big pacing issue in this film. Like once we get to the play in this film, like, okay, this entire sequence really could have either been way shorter or not involved at all because most of the things it talks about it's it's already talked about before and then does after in terms of like what it's trying to say about the character and his anxieties like so why are we going over this again is beyond me yeah so i suppose one of my one of the questions has to be is some of this here to torment the audience is some of this it seems like this is what you want here you go and is the penis monster his response to A24 wanting him to put a horror element in? You want horror? Look at the scary penis monster in the attic. Yeah, look, scary penis man, look. 
<laughs> I wonder if that's where a lot of the budget went because this. I'm sure maybe you're, you're, you are not you are or are not aware. This is the most expensive A24 film at thirty five million dollars. Wow. Wow. There's not even like a transformer in this. There's not even a transformer in it. And I, under, I understand why, after looking it up, why they would put so much faith in Ari Aster, because Ari Aster, oh, yeah. his previous films are two of the highest grossing A24 films of all time, Hereditary and Midsommar. So it's like, okay, he's already, for, for like an indie filmmaker working with a fairly indie company, it's like, yeah, he kind of he kind of does it financially and critically. So it's like, why not throw $35 million so he can get a Joaquin Phoenix and uh, just do whatever he wants, I guess. Yeah, and... Boy, he wanted... it, And it does, it also sort of feels... There's sort of two... Well, it, it, it does feel like some of it might be sarcastic in the way I was just kind of saying about, you know, is this here to punish the audience or to reply to various pressures about filmmaking once maybe paint that's girl just... came on screen i'm like i'm being punished for having this <laughs> paint girl. that might that might be that might be the most viscerally upsetting thing that happens it, it was honestly the most disturbing part of the whole film for me okay nothing okay. before or after like paint girl just rubbed me the wrong way and it's oh. clearly on purpose she's supposed to be insufferable but when she started eating paint, I'm like, I, I want to turn this off. Like, nothing else yeah. has ever happened in an Ari Aster film has me want to just turn it off. But when she's, when we, when we are eating paint, we've gone too far. And this should be illegal. No artist <laughs> should be allowed to do this. It's a crime. It. It, yeah. I, that, and it's so, and it's, it's part of, it's part of what the, the obvious surface read about just it's every situation goes at like, not just this isn't just a movie where something bad happens to a character over and over again. This is every single thing, every single interaction. So as not even, but not even realistically bad. Every single action, every single interaction becomes a cartoon of how much of a disaster a situation could become. The guy who was in his bathroom, what? Like, oh my god! Like, oh, I we had a big yeah. There was definitely some talk about how much of this might have been in his head, and a lot of it probably was real. And it's just a story about a really bad week that this guy's having. But like, but yeah, the guy in the ceiling <laughs> above the tub. Like, imagine pitching this scene to Walking Phoenix. Okay, you're going to be naked in a tub, and then a guy is going to be hanging above you, and he's going to fall, and you're going to wrestle around for a bit. Do you know the sort of phenomena of watching a movie that has a big twist in it, and then when you go back and watch the movie, and you kind of know more about it, you get more out of the scenes? I mean, yeah, obviously you're familiar. Yeah. Um, I noticed that as he's stepping into the tub, I did not notice it on my first playthrough, but there just for a split second, you do see a gigantic grapefruit sized testicle as he's stepping into the tub. So this time, all I could think about was, oh no, this guy's going to land on Bo's testicles. Even though I know that didn't happen, that was now my concern. I was like, oh my God. Now, in fact, this time through... I Not was thinking about his balls more. His giant, his giant distended balls that he never went to the hospital. 
Just how about how about how wounded this guy is throughout throughout just this walking like he's not only being mentally tortured in all these these ways. He's got skin missing from his face. He's got open stab wounds, giant swollen balls that could be whatever this bizarre doctor man says. This is just awful. It's upsetting. Honestly, it could have stand to be a little bit more upsetting. Like if we're just going to do the okay. paint eating thing, I'm like, I kind of think that just having more of that ridiculousness throughout would have made it feel like less of a slog because the parts that are like kind of annoying are the obvious like surface level. Like, and now we're going to do a whole play explaining you the film and what's going on. I'm like, okay, well, the play's not going to be gross and weird. It's just we're just we're just being it's like just it's like the audio commentary by the director has just come on suddenly while I, I'm watching yeah, the film. I'm fascinated by it. I am I am fascinated by the weird animated dream sequence. And I also I also feel like the weird kidnapping pill house paint girl house is more I think that's the most out of place thing. I think if I was going to cut one of the four sections it would be pill house <laughs> pill house with 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 uh, with with really a wild assortment of people nathan lane amy ryan and whatever paint girl's name is man so i mean on my second like i definitely was like i was definitely definitely instant classic was definitely the first thing i said about this and on a second watch, I think this movie might actually be good. I think it's overall good. Like, if we're taking all things into account, it's well acted, a lot of great production design. I enjoy the music, and the music is appropriate in that it's very over-the-top and over-present, but considering we're watching a fucking cartoon, yeah. it makes sense that we're kind <laughs> of do doing Looney Tune shit. So, yeah, why not have the music all the time? Like, why not? You made every other over-the-top decision in making it. Why not have the score be that as well? It, sure. Yeah, and the score is fantastic. All of his, Ari Aster makes, I don't know if he makes the decisions, but he must, I'm sure he is involved in the decision-making about the music. I hate to ask this. Okay. Are you familiar with something called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons? Yes, I have seen it. Yeah, is that the most upsetting thing that Ari Aster has done? For me personally, like, you know, I understand that a lot of people respond very strong to it because of its obvious, its subject matter is like a lot. It's Dude. a lot to even describe to yeah. someone else what yeah. was happening there. Yep. It's, boy, it's, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's so extreme. It's like he was like, I'm going to do the most extreme thing I can think of is what it feels I like. I would say that that is more of a precursor to Bo is Afraid than any of Ari Aster's other films. Because it's, it's again, it's a, on a, for different reasons, a man who's having trouble dealing with aspects of his life. And those aspects just come up in very over the top. And in the case of that film, that short film, very sexual ways, you know? Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah, and... Bo is probably the most sexual film of, of the oh, three. I mean, yeah, it's, it's got it's got Penis Man. We got <laughs> we got we have way more naked Joaquin Phoenix than I was expecting. Honestly, I, so I expected something like that to happen, 
but not for the degree we saw it and for how long we really saw it, honestly. I was just playing on the news, the, the birthday boy stabber guy. I'm like, he's just naked on the news. On the news, they're like, yeah, we don't want to... Even the news is over the top. They're like, we're not even going to censor this. Look at him. He's a naked man running around. Birthday boy stab man. It's <laughs> birthday boy stab man. As a matter of fact, everything that is on... Some of my favorite things in Bo is Afraid is everything that's on the news at any point. Every newscaster is saying something hysterical. I don't know. Yeah, if I it's really like the, the, the news is, is definitely like playing into his sort of like paranoid thoughts, right? His intrusive paranoid thoughts are sort of being presented via the news. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I think it's, yeah. I think that's a, a beautiful touch. I love how much his tub overflows. <laughs> <laughs> that's in your notes like yeah the tub overflow makes brain go burr yeah uh that i'm not actually i'm not specifically looking at a note that says that but um but i wouldn't be surprised if we come across one because it really it does become like i don't know not even it's so weird that out of you know what it is because it's like what can go wrong now like a brown recluse spider could come out of nowhere and bite a man that's trying not to fall onto my giant balls in the naked tub, you know, or the tub could overflow. Like, it's almost a relief. Every time the tub overflows, I'm like, okay, that's if that's all that's happening here, great. I love it when the tub overflows. Yeah, it really does make the brain go bird because at least, at least his balls aren't being crushed. At least his balls aren't being crushed. Put put that on your IMDb review. You know what? At least the balls weren't being crushed. Ari Aster seriously goes right for the balls in this one. A film that I am reminded of while watching Bo is Afraid is if you've ever seen the, the Coen Brothers film, A Serious Man. Wow, no. Well, it's also about a main character who's a little bitch boy when life is not going very well. But what was is like surreal, whereas a serious man is a straightforward like comedy drama. But it's like the, 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 the main character life. of a serious man would fit in right with Bo is Afraid. Like he would he would be like the brother to the main character who's also an anxiety riddled psycho man. <laughs> um. Does that movie open with a scene where he has, like, pissed the bed with his wife? No, surprisingly. Like, it's really (laughs) the kind of film where that could have been a thing that happened in A Serious Man, but sadly it did not. There definitely is a movie that opens like that. I wonder what it is. And you're going to watch it. You're going to watch every single film that has that in it. I'm going to watch every single film until I find the one that opens with the man who pisses on his wife in bed. Because that's definitely about some sad bitch boy <laughs> type of character. We're it's like, it's like what a film about a main character being like, yeah, life's really hard, but like, what if it was like surreal hard? It wasn't just like regular life hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. scary, gross man hard. Constant terror. Every time you come home, you have to run down the street from some man. But I mean, I almost, I mean, so much of this speaks to me. And I almost, and why I, you know, 
why I'm pitching for like you can't even interpret this as a story. Like it, it's it's all just the the language of you know of the intention of the scenes, which that was a bunch of bullshit. All those words that I just said, but uh, the. Every time he comes home, he runs down the street in terror of this guy running behind him that's going to grab the door right as he gets to the apartment. And, like, when I was a teenager at first, like, going out at night and I had to walk down these long steps to my home coming in the middle of the night, I would run down them often picturing some skeletal man or someone behind me. Uh, So, like... Yeah, I think so much. So you're saying of that this, you're your bow, your your bow, and you're afraid. In a lot of ways, I've gotten over a lot of that. But to sometimes, you know, sometimes I get the feeling that you know there's a man in the house, and it frightens me still. Like you know, he might be in the ceiling above the tub when I get in naked. I honestly, every day I'm thankful that I don't have a tub. I'm like, nah, nah. If you want to fight me, come in the shower. There's no way someone could be holding themselves up in the shower. Like, just come fight me. You know how many horror movie things happen in tubs? Too many. Oh Nightmare on Elm Street. Holy shit. There, there's oh. so many things. You, you, when you're awake, when you're asleep, sometimes ghosts are involved. It's not okay. You ever see a movie called Jack Frost? Yes, it's very funny. Yeah, he gets in the tub. <laughs> yes, yeah, he does. Jesus That's Shannon fucking Elizabeth. Wild. Oh man, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna have a Shannon Elizabeth marathon. What an American treasure. She doesn't do anything much these days, I don't feel. No. Remember that movie Mother with an exclamation point? Oh yeah, I thought it was great. Is that I like- love showing people that film because there's some people who who have never seen a Darren Aronofsky film uh-huh. and also have never seen any film with any sort of non-literal element ever. So showing them Mother exclamation mark, uh, they're like, "What the fuck are you doing? What what is this?" Yeah, that's a. I don't even. That's not even. I wouldn't even sit someone down and watch that movie with them. I mean, I'll recommend it to someone, but they're on their own. I watched it in a theater, and there were people who walked out who were definitely like, okay. I'm not watching this anymore. <laughs> 30, 40 minutes. I'm like, I don't care. They gave up before it got like extra surreal, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they really did. They really. But I mean, it's easy. It's really. God, it's just hard to take. Like it, like so much of that. It's and it really. I, if feel you're like, not... I feel bad for the film because I feel like a lot of the market because because uh, Mother's exclamation mark is also an A twenty four film. Oh, it also is like it's it's like this weird place where it knows it's a more artsy film that. It knows it's an artsy film, but A24 is trying to pitch it as best they can as a it's a regular horror film, guys. Please trust us this time. But then, so they end up set, trying to sell yeah. it on a lot of things that aren't that interesting because they're they're just trying to just trying to summarize it for an audience watching like the trailer being like, here's all basic horror experience, but that's not what it right. is. No. <laughs> oh God. 
So a lot of people who were just like mad about it because like I expected a regular horror film. Like, yeah, those expectations were not correct, and it's not their fault because H24 was just lying to them, being like, "It's regular, we swear." Like, well, I don't know if we call any Darren Aronofsky film regular. Yeah, right. (laughs) Then that's the problem. Like, really, like the problem was marketing it as any kind of normal film at all. I mean, maybe. I mean, his most. But then, his... you, then you run the problem of if you market it as what it is, that it's like, oh, all people aren't going to watch it because it's like, oh, it's a, it's an artsy, uh, chill, you know. <laughs> we just <laughs> so it's, it's a double edged sword, you know. We just watched the fountain for three hours. We would like to watch a scary horror. Can I just movie. say the fountain is just bad. All right, good. Like, Thank the fountain you. is Thank aggressively you. like. I like Darren Aronofsky overall, but it's the film was the first time where I'm like, are you just a hack who's pretending to be good this whole time? Because literally everything I enjoy about his films, that I think are great or good to great is just not present in the film. It's just, it's a story that it, it's one of the few films I would legitimately call pretentious. Like it has no, it thinks so highly of all its inconsequential bullshit, <laughs> like too highly. Every artistic decision is just, all I can see when I watch that film is just Darren Aronofsky putting his head directly up his own asshole it, with every artistic decision. I every feel... single one of them. <laughs> oh, I feel very vindicated that you've said all that. And I enjoy him overall, but the the film is the only film I've watched from there where I'm like, this is straight bad. It's I wouldn't even call it well made because all the all his stupid artistic choices sort of like feel like they cancel each other out. Like the acting is fine, but also here's these weird out of place sequences that are going to be interrupting it for no reason. For no reason, this film could have been. It's it's a very regular story when you think about it. That's just has all these little artsy trappings for no reason other than just to be like, I'm Darren Aronofsky. I made Rec Room for a Dream. I'm an artsy guy. I can't just tell a regular story. Oh, no. I can't just tell a straightforward story where just the right amount of things happen. I have to, to make every single line insufferable. Every character has to be boring and uninteresting. Every choice has to be like, why, though? But but not in like the two thousand one space odyssey like why though in, yeah. in a you are an art student who thinks too highly of their abilities kind of way and it's the only Darren Aronofsky film I feel that way about I don't feel the way about Requiem for a Dream or Black Swan or Motherfucker like those those films really justify all of their artistic choices I really do believe that. But the fountain, it's, it's like someone else directed it. <laughs> it's like some other person who thought they were going to do a Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> but then it turns out, oh, it's Darren Aronofsky. He, he thought he was a Darren Aronofsky. That was his mistake. It, Jesus Christ, yeah. Uh, when, when was the last time you, you saw The Fountain? It's been like 10 years. I've been purposely avoiding it for like a decade. Uh, yeah, I saw it 15 years ago. I saw it one time and I hated it. Like, it's incredible to hear you say this because so many people have been like, you know, have tried to tell me it's good over the years. And uh, I I hated it. So I, I, now I can't tell you what I hated about it other than I do remember some extremely pretentious things that both the Wolverine and his wife said. And the I re- Wolverine and his wife. And I remember... <laughs> The uh, South America, a South American storyline. Yeah. That every time that that I kept, I really, I was like, if somehow 
the South American and outer space storylines come together in a satisfying way, maybe I won't hate this. And uh, I mean, I don't need to tell you. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> I hated it. Like I, I, I was like mad. <laughs> and I do. Black Swan is amazing. Black yeah. Swan is absolutely up there on my get gross, get upset. Fucking mother is. Don't I really? I honestly, I that comes with that's one of the movies that comes with a warning. Like if I'm going to recommend that to somebody, I'm like, yeah, and I will, and it should be. I think you should know that you're not going in to watch a movie about a relationship, really. I mean, you are. <laughs> you are, but, but there's, there's like just, a lot of caveats to that. Yeah, there re- there is a caveat to Darren Aronofsky, and really, and I, you know, I, I think Ariaster. I don't know. Midsummer is pretty straightforward. It's always pretty straightforward, and it's one of the few times I would recommend people watch the extended cut of it. Oh yeah, because I would, I was, de- I would definitely say it's one of the few times where I'm like, yeah, there, there's stuff in the extended cut that should have just been in the regular version. That adds a lot more context, and even it, it, it by comparison, is a way more emotional version of the film, and a way more like scary version by comparison when you have a lot of the, the certain context involved. For real. In my opinion. Yeah. Yo, thank you. Let me say right now, just in case, thank you so much for talking to me about all this weird shit. Anytime, honestly. I I, I enjoy it. I feel like, especially with, 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 with me... Even when I find other people who are into, like, a lot of, like, you know, the, the, the people who enjoy film or art in general, like I do, it's like, still, it's hard to find people to talk to who are like, yeah, let's watch the Gross Penis Man film, and we're going to take we're gonna take it very seriously, and we're going to talk about it very seriously. Gross Penis Man film is getting its day in court. <laughs> Which it deserves, because it's amazing. Because my, my final take is absolutely that it is. I think, yeah. <laughs> It's it's right up my alley. I think people should watch it. And I don't uh, enjoy it as much as Midsommar or Hereditary, but I do think it's worth seeing. Like, it's definitely a unique experience, you know? It doesn't feel like the kind of film you could AI generate, really. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. No, I don't think AI can create this kind of just perfectly it, it does feel intention. too specific to be like yeah, exactly. a machine just yeah. like even if a machine took everything else Ari Aster made and tried to make a, a cohesive film of it there's no way it would spit back Bo is afraid no 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 not a chance in hell that you like a machine does not understand human trauma like that it doesn't understand the penis man it does not I well first of all I don't think it, the AIs are not allowed to talk about penises at all. Or I'm actually, yeah, I don't know if you, me and a, 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 some of the people around this Discord server have been playing with Stable Diffusion quite a lot. And yeah. we suspect that at a certain point, someone made a rule that it is not allowed to draw teeth anymore. And I think maybe even <laughs> hands. I think they just like told it that it definitely will not draw, well, definitely won't write a movie about giant balls. I don't think ChatGPT will either. But it definitely won't write a movie that understands human trauma and terror and like full, yeah. like really terror. Like not even a horror movie. This is a terror movie. 
God, did the... And another thing that I keep coming back to in this movie is the character, the... The military veteran character that ends several scenes by just running in and blowing something up or him or shooting himself or shooting someone or blowing someone up. In this high art film, we have a guy who's like, yeah, I'm the military man. America, fuck yeah, let's blow it up. I'm like, man, this is wild. (laughs) Wild. Like several scenes end with that character. And it's just like, and as, and he has... I feel like the least to do with the plot, unless he's the ultimate. Like he unless... really feels like a plot device. Okay, we're gonna yes. move on now because I'm here to end the scene, and you have to move on now because I blew everything up. It almost feels like that could be one of the, like an Ariaster commentary on the structure of you know Hollywood films, like scenes. You know, they keep escalating until someone gets fucking grenaded. In this movie. What do you think about him dying at any point along the way? Or is that or is that not even the point? I don't know. I don't I don't think too much about it because I'm like the reason I don't engage with a lot of like, what if this character died or was all a dream at this point going forward? It's like you can make that argument literally anywhere in most films. Yep. Like at any point he could it could have been the the, the tub. It could have been uh, this the out in the street that one time. It's like the pills. It's like it's like it it's so all over the place. It's like you but can pick almost any place. I feel like there's bait in this movie for maybe that's where he died and now he's in hell. I've always hated the like, but what if this character was dead the whole time or this this wasn't a dream? I just I just feel like I hate theory crafting like that. Yeah. I feel like it, it it veers away from like trying to interpret the film and just goes into. What if I'm MatPad and we're doing a game theory? I'm like, sure, it's a fun mental exercise, but I feel like some people invest a lot of energy in trying to force that into everything. (laughs) Like, especially cases where it's like, it A, doesn't matter in the context of the film, and B, just is distracting from the actual point and message. Yes. Yes. It's so, that's exactly what I was thinking, is that it's so easy to miss the point if you try to pick apart what the story is actually about. And it can be really interesting, and maybe, I'm sure there are a lot of little clues and a lot of neat things that could be found that I haven't noticed in my two watches of this. But like, when you're trying to, but especially in this, the the point is not the actual story. The point is not figuring out what actually happened to Bo. It's very... It's it's just it's it's the it's a very pure expression. Like you're not supposed to watch this and think that a it makes logical sense because it doesn't, and b that I don't know a it doesn't it doesn't make logical sense, and b it it, it really is all the vibes. It really is just yeah. the yeah. feeling being expressed. And there are, not that there aren't deeper things to uncover about it, but it's just a pure like you're this character is going through a rough patch, and you're going to feel that through whatever tool. Ari Aster and company are deciding to utilize in that moment. Yep. Yeah. That's that's it. I'm trying to be... Although, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what... I really ultimately don't know what point if Ari Aster is trying to make a point with this or what I'm supposed to feel. I know it made me feel a lot of things. I don't, you know, I can't speak to what his intentions may have been. 
book, he's a gross man, and that's an objective fact. And that's now why is yes. he a gross man? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe well, this is a big clue to in the direction of finding an answer to that question. And maybe we will get more clues along the way. But this is definitely a big one. It's a it's a mysterious one. It's one we will have to ponder. Yeah, I do make a note of a lot of tubs overflowing, which ultimately, you know, maybe, maybe his mother did or not did or did not send a version of him to the attic to live with the penis man. Okay, I just say, let's talk, I want to talk about the mother for a second. Okay. What a psycho. What a psycho <laughs> that somehow she's so omnipotent that she saw everything about the journey minus one part at the beginning and is like, you little bitch. More like, well, if you were observing him this closely the whole time, you little fucking idiot. You should have saw that clearly his neighbors are psychos and stealing all this shit. Like, what, like if, if, you're, if you're observing him that closely to begin with <laughs> and you miss this one part, like, what are you doing? The... When she was revealed that she wasn't dead, I lost my mind. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this film, I, somehow now we're off the rails. Somehow, oh, that was, it. We that, was on, that was where we were never on the rails, okay. but we like we're just not, yeah. we're just sprinting away from the rails as quickly as possible. I um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, shit. What was I gonna say about that? Um, because she is because a lot such of her criticism of Bo are unfair and harsh. Yeah, like there's a lot of like harshness towards it that he didn't deserve, especially when we flash back to him being a child. Like she, the mommy issues are so present. They're and, so they're so everywhere. And just and just on par with the tone of the movie, they're so huge and so and, and terrible, and they're so they're presented. And just that it's just a disaster happening in front of you. Uh, and that and the, the mother's general psychopathy and especially in, in the, the final, you know, chapter, I just it's that is a big part of why. I feel like this, you know, it can't be interpreted in any kind of literal sense of what's actually happening. Like this woman is just like a walking embodiment. Yeah, thinking about of, it, it's like she, yeah. all all this being part of the plan. She, she had a guy have a phone call with Bo to to, to tell her to tell him like, oh yeah, this person might be your mother. Their head got crushed. I'm like, imagine. I know it's supposed to be surprising. It's supposed to be literally. But imagine having that phone call. Be like, okay, and I want you to do. You're a voice actor, okay? And you're going to pretend that I'm dead to my son over the phone. Yeah, that's what you're gonna say. <laughs> My head cannon is that she hired David Hayter. That it was actually David Hayter <laughs> on the phone telling him that she was dead. Hilarious. <laughs> but oh, but God, yeah, the level of psychopathy. It just it's it is cartoonish villainy at that point with with the mother. She is like, literally twirling a mustache, yeah. tying people to train tracks. Train tracks, like. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, she is. Yeah, it's that. But exactly, it's it's why you can't. There's you know, there's no way this can be interpreted as a literal story because she's just the embodiment of the worst type of parenting behavior, human behavior, dark, manipulative, narcissistic behavior. Just she. They're just so many of the car of the characters in this are just cartoon characters, and that's great. 
Maybe that's what Darren Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky and Ari Aster need to make just like a, a Looney Tune cartoon. You know, like like in, in their style, yeah. make a Looney Tunes type beat. I'm like, it would make so much sense for both of them, honestly. Like they really like if they actually, oh my god, if they actually got together and made an actual cartoon as a as a uh, collaboration, I would, boy, I would really like that to happen. You know, um, is the guy's name Dave Eggers with the Witch and the Lighthouse? Uh. Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers. Dave Eggers is a writer. Um, yeah. Robert Eggers is making a Nosferatu movie. Yeah, I saw them. Like, good, 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 good for him. I feel like there aren't. This is a spicy take. I really feel like Nosferatu hasn't had their day in the sun. I haven't seen like the. Uh, that's a, that's very the seventies one, but the original uh, version uh, 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 I just I think is one of the most overrated things I've ever seen. Okay. Like it's just shadow stuff the film, and I understand it happened forever ago, but I feel like it's <laughs> it's a kind of thing we could clearly advance past. If there's any type of film that that deserves a remake by someone way more competent, Nosferatu. Okay. <laughs> It was, you know, like the first horror movie ever made in human history. I understand that he's like, oh, it's the first one of all time or whatever. But we can do better now. Okay. You know, no, we can. You're right. No, you're right. And I can't wait. And we can. And I think Robert Eggers. Because I enjoy all of uh, Robert Eggers' films. I enjoy yeah. all of them. The Witch, The Lighthouse, The North Man. I have not. Quality the Nor guy. North Man is on my list of things to see. And I may not have actually said this out loud, but ultimately I am going to watch The Fountain again. Do you want to? Do you want to watch it with me? Look, I'll experience it again. I, I have a strong feeling that because all that's changed, in my, I think that all all that I think is going to change if I watch it again is just it's going to be me with more knowledge about how films are made, being reminded of all the little things I didn't like about the first that I couldn't express because I didn't know as much. But now yeah. I'm like I'm like okay, this shot's bad for these specific technical reasons. This character's dumb and bad for this reason. I'm just gonna be I'm just more capable of criticizing yeah. it now. I might you know? yeah. I'm gonna try to. I'm going to approach it with open eyes as I try to do, but like, I don't know if I might, you know, as, as now a very serious, you know, super adult man, I might, maybe I'll appreciate it in some way I didn't before, but probably I'll start, I'll really understand, I'll really start to understand why I did hate it in the first place. Because I hated that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. Just remembering it, I'm like, yeah, I was justified, but I'm I'm more than willing to to, to see it again, just 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 to see, because it's the it's the only Darren Aronofsky film that I, I would hard be like, I would not recommend anyone watch this. <laughs> it's the only one that I hard like anti recommend, you know. <laughs> the other ones I, I I'm careful about how I recommend them, but I would recommend yeah. to certain people: Requiem for a Dream, Black yep. Swan, Mother, The Whale. Yeah, Pie. all of them. To a lesser to a lesser extent, Noah, it's okay. It's a little oh, funny. Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> forgot about the time he made a Jesus film. Forgot about that one. Yeah. Well, I guess he he's made multiple Jesusy films, but now the first time, Noah, 2014. Did that have like that didn't have who is that had like either Gerard Butler or Russell Crowe or something, right? Russell Crowe was was the, the Noah. He was Noah. God damn it! It had Emma Watson. 
Jennifer Connelly, Anthony Hopkins, oh who hilariously God. blows smoke on a blows dust on a kid's face, and it's it's funny to me every time I see it. <laughs> every single time I think about it, it's very funny. Oh my God, I've seen it. I should watch that. I but I, but the the Fountain is 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 first on my list of Darinovsky, Darren Aronofsky films to revisit. How terrible. Hi, Paprika. Um, I've been asking everyone if there's something that uh, they've been watching or... Can I just... Have you not on the desk right now? Arsh's baby, no desk. Oh, my God, dude. Come on. Uh, <coughs> um, yeah, any type of... Any media that you're consuming that you are into right now... The question is, what's good, T1VG? I mean, uh, if you don't want to curtain your film, I might go to this is the perfect time Barbenheimer. Because, uh, okay. I, I I did Barbenheimer. Really, I did Oppenbar because I saw Oppenheimer first because it was just an earlier showing. But uh, both pretty good films. I think Barbie is surprisingly one of the best films of the year. Yeah. Like, I was shocked. Like, it's one of the few times where all of the marketing and hype for a film felt like it was, at least for a big blockbustery type film felt like it was kind of lived up to like it definitely felt like if you love barbie it's for you if you hate it if you want a real meaningful artistic experience with a lot of interesting commentary it's there if you want just a dumb comedy it's that it's like it, it managed to fulfill all of its promises in my opinion wow. <laughs> with everything it did genuinely well acted love the production design it's actually funny there are jokes i cannot believe they've included like it's that I really feel like there's no way a studio said include the yeah. gynecologist joke, <laughs> <laughs> Incl include pregnant Barbie jokes. Like, wow. <laughs> there's like there's no there's no way. And I good good on Greta Gerwig for I guess I guess at some point having to stand around and be like no we're including this and they're like okay and now it's one of the highest grossing films of the year so she she should be very vindicated because it's actually. And it's it's both highly enjoyable and there's actually a lot to unpack about it. Like it's the kind of film I can see like people doing like four hour video essays about because it has some very controversial ideas that are not just like oh it's controversial for a major. It's like there there are some high art films that would never dare to say some of the things that Barbie's kind of implying oh. here. That I would say that I would love I would love to do a deep dive with someone at some point because it, it's it's actually good. Ryan Gosling's great. Ryan Gosling, I think, is a great actor. And I think that people are coming around to him. I enjoy oh. him in everything he's in. I like and he's, that he's, he's, he's kind of a scene stealer. A and I forgot that he could sing, which was relevant because there was a scene that raised to a lot of extended singing. where I'm like, oh, yeah, he can sing. I know this. He was he was in La La Land. I know he can sing. I know this. This is not news to me, but I was still shocked by it. It's very artsy for what it is. It's both highly artsy and highly palatable to a regular audience person. Great. If you consider yourself like, I only watch things that have high artistic value. Barbie kind of fulfills both things. And it's very, it's a, very rarely would I say that about a mainstream film about a fucking toy. About a plastic yeah. toy, yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, okay. That, I mean, it, Barbie, I'll tell you what. I have like an outer radar of stuff that people have kind of recommended to me, right? Barbie, yeah. you have just moved Barbie to my inner radar of movies I will watch soon. Would highly recommend Barbie. And Barbie was a superior film over Oppenheimer, which 
wasn't bad because it has all the things that I expect to be good in a Christopher Nolan film. I expect the acting to be pretty good across the board. It's going to be well shot, well edited. I'm going to enjoy the music. But this is the first, this is the, one of the two times I've watched a Christopher Nolan film where I feel like his whole non-linear storytelling thing was annoying to watch. If you, in Oppenheimer, there's one specific reason it's told non-linear for there to be a thing at the end. Like, okay, it oh, makes sense now, but okay. every other thing leading up to it seems like, why wouldn't we just tell this story in a linear fashion? Oh, because there's one thing you wanted to do that really you could have you could have just changed the film to accommodate in a more chronological ordered film, but he just didn't because Christopher Nolan's like, but it's about time and non-linear stuff. Like, it's, it's the second time in a Christopher Nolan film. The last time was Dunkirk, where I'm like, you could have told this film beginning to end one way, and it would have improved. It would have improved the whole process. Alarms stop going off. I'm talking about things now. Did this start? Really, every alarm goes off. Okay, <laughs> now the alarms are off. They're not going off anymore. I don't. I, I like it. There's some really, there's some really funny casting choices. But when you think about it, they got the guy who plays uh, the Drake and Josh guy, Josh Peck. Oh, okay. I'm not, Josh, I'm not Josh that Peck, familiar with Drake and Josh Josh Peck, hilarious, uh, <laughs> known child actor, gets to be the button guy. Like, they cast it to be, the, there's a scene where they're, like, they're testing out the bombs, and it's like, okay, like, if you, then those things go wrong, you gotta push the button. And his whole job, the most pivotal scene that he's a part of, is like, he's gonna be like, oh, do I put, oh, do I push the button? And it's really funny that they got child actor Josh Peck. Great. To be the button guy, it's very funny. There's a lot of interesting casting choices. I think overall it's a good film, but the non-linear thing bogs it down. And there's a, it's the first time in a Christopher Nolan film where I also feel like the music is well composed, but it is poorly used, and it, it is often screaming over scenes that do not have the emotion that it's implying. Oh, it's definitely like it's kind of pretentious. That it's okay. like, okay, feel this. This is important and meaningful. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think the scene's communicating that, and the music is just annoying because it's screaming. Feel this is important now. I'm like, I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it doesn't feel that way, and the music is just highlighting to me how insignificant some of the things that are happening are. Like, there are big things that matter. Obviously, they talk about the atomic bomb and the, the the ethics of doing that. But there's some scenes where it's like. We're not really doing that now, so now the heavy music's a little much. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a little, it's a lot. It's really easy to miss the mark with that kind of like that kind of. Which is a shame because I think Christopher Nolan historically has been very careful about how he uses music in this film. Like he has a lot, he has a lot of big bombastic scores that are well utilized. Like even in something like The Dark Knight oh, and Inception, right. it's very purposeful Knight, and careful. Is, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. He knows when to include music, when to not include it, and to what degree, usually. But this, this is the first time where it's like, it was a little too much. It wasn't a lot, but it was just a little too much, considering that he's never made this mistake in every any film he's ever made prior, I could, in I, my opinion. I could be wrong, but I feel like Inception invented those like big distorted trumpets whenever like something big is happening. The big wah! Yeah, when the buildings move, wah! Or Pacific Rim, the robot comes and I feel wah. like uh, District 9 had that, but District 9 wasn't as popular as Inception. Like, Inception, like, was definitely the thing that popularized the big wah. Like, big people wah. refer back to Inception about it, but yeah. even though I think films did that before, but Inception yeah, changed the did. game. It became a standard once Inception yeah. did it. They That sound effect was in Mass Effect when the big aliens came to destroy the Earth. It's comical now. It's a yeah, joke now, it's now but at the time, it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. He invented the big wah. Not really. Yeah. Oppenheimer's pretty good, but 
really, it's if you're a big Christopher Nolan diehard, like I guess I am at this point. It's like I watched it because I was always going to. But this is not on the same level as like when he made The Dark Knight or Inception or even Dunkirk, which I think I've I've come around on being like it's it's a pretty great film overall. Like it's it's not on the it's not top shelf Christopher Nolan. It's like it's good. Christopher Nolan has never made a bad film, although he got real close with Tenet for reasons I should explain in a seven hour YouTube seven hour, video essay. Yeah, you should. I <laughs> I encourage you to do a seven hour YouTube essay because I that. will fight people all day that it, it it somehow makes less sense than Inception. And Inception, wow. people people have come around that Inception doesn't make any sense. Like there's yeah. parts that don't make any sense about it, but people are still fighting me on the whole. No, it actually makes sense at 10. I'm like, no, it doesn't. And I will explain to you in the form of this seven hour YouTube video essay, because apparently it needs to be clarified what's wrong with the logic of Tenet, because it's everything. Backwards everything splits. about what it sets up doesn't make any sense <laughs> at all. What are you? What about the spaceship one? Interstellar? Yes. That one also doesn't make any... That one makes more sense, but there's just certain scenes where I'm like, there's a lot of like stereotypy you have to apply to a scene to not think that the the the, the watch scene doesn't make any sense oh okay. boy she sees this broken watch and interpret spoiler for except interstellar for anyone oh, this is full spoilers this. always go ahead full spoilers for interstellar the scene where she sees the broken watch and then interprets that this is her father T communicating her via morse code luckily a she knows morse code for no reason luckily yeah. she just knows this information she she, she knows Morse code and interprets this as not just a watch being broken and being weird, that it's Morse code, not from, and not from anyone, from her father specifically, communicating to her the things that she needs to know to save the planet is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in a film. It, it certainly <laughs> is, yeah. It certainly is a strange oh, yeah, you, way you, you, to pull the, it the, together. The, the amount of stuff you have to like just accept to to, <laughs> to move on with that that is a lot for me. I'm like, and it's the only scene. There's other things I don't like in Interstellar, like mainly just because they're sappy, like Anne Hathaway talking about the power of love. Ugh, cut it out of the whole script. Just cut it out of the whole script. <laughs> Get it out. Of we could have done without that. No, don't need it. Get it out of there. <laughs> Go home, Anne Hathaway. And she's a great actor. I just feel like she's always given the, such her. insufferable roles where I'm like, I don't, I, it's not your fault. No, You're just choosing bad roles. Oh, maybe, or maybe that's like, I mean, I feel like she's definitely cast to be the annoying woman who, you know, is either talking about love because or some, she's a theater kid. Theater kids are annoying yeah. by, oh, yeah. by default. For whatever reason, theater kids are so annoying. They just are, and I don't know what's wrong with them. You weren't you weren't in the theater you weren't in the drama club in high school. I was, but I I, I didn't identify with. I was like, <laughs> I'm here because the other choice was like home economics, and I'm not doing that. <laughs> I identified as a theater kid in the high school for sure. <laughs> um, anyway, Barbie's great. Opera number is not as great. Uh, lives is great. It's a, it's another A24 film. A24 is just dominating the, the entirety of all film conversation now, but it's an A24 film about a, a long-standing romance that has a lot of, like, deep emotional layers to it. I don't know. It's great. I don't want to say too much about it, because it, it's definitely a film where the story and the way it unfolds is the most interesting part. But it's well-acted, well-shot, well-directed. It's like, it is one of the best films of the year, but it's, it, I can see why some people would watch it and be like, 
it's just a film of people fucking talking. But it's oh. kind of, it's one of the better versions of those types of films where it's like the conversations they're having and how they're having it are interesting and substantive. But you have to be very patient. It's a very film that's, that requires a little bit of patience, but I think is at least worth a watch. Even if you end up watching it and be like, I hated that. It's a valuable artistic experience that I think people should see. What was what was the title? Past Lives. Sorry, one more time. Past Lives. Past Lives? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why the word past was like distorted both times. Uh, <laughs> the Inception Wah is destroying my yeah, microphone. Help. I would have, yeah, you did too many Wahs. Uh, but I mean, I'm totally into, I am totally into a slow movie where people talk to each other if it's interesting. Um, and obviously my favorite film of the year is uh, Across the Spider-Verse, which is, yeah. isn't surprising, but also is. It's great. It's so on my list. That one is super high on my list of things to see, and I haven't seen it I think it you'll like it. Again, another film that manages to be very mainstream in a lot of ways, but definitely is riskier on the first superhero film, and especially like a Marvel property film wild yeah. to me that they did some of the things that they did i don't i've read a lot of these comics i don't recall miguel ever being a vampire oh yeah hot vampire man there are a vampires that, there are vampires yeah. that are after spider-man i gotta watch this movie basically because yeah yeah because i keep thinking it's, about the comics and i don't know what happens in this movie it's really interesting because it's it, 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 i think that Game credit where it's due, the original Spider-Verse film did kind of change the animation industry. Like, so many films now oh my God, are the, trying to be Spider-Verse. Teenage They're Ninja trying Turtle so hard. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which was yep. actually a pretty great film, honestly. A lot of those are trying to be, try, trying to be more dynamic with their animation. And it's oh, because yeah. the first Spider-Verse was such a success. It's like, so many films are like, oh, you, you guys saw Spider-Verse, and now we're trying to replicate it. And overall, the results have been good. That was my first thought. Those trying to be Spider Verse are like actually pretty good for the most part. Cool. I mean, yeah. Thank you, Spider Verse, for changing the animation industry because. And then the new one ups the ante, both narratively and with the animation, in my opinion. Oh my god! I have to. I can't believe I have. I can't believe I haven't watched that or Barbie yet. I'm making a whole list of. I've got a just from talking to people over the past couple days. I got a list of like twenty movies I got to go watch. Hooray! 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 But yeah, I, I'm really surprised with myself that I haven't seen. Cause, but I've also totally like stopped watching the Mar the Disney Marvel movies, so I'm kind of like the whole Marvel thing. But I know that I know I gotta watch the Spider Verse one. Did you watch Skinnamarink? Yes. How did that make you feel? It was de I okay, first thing I appreciate how different. It, like it's definitely it's hard to even compare it to other films I've ever yeah. seen. Yep. It's a unique experience, and there are definitely parts of it that feel like a waking nightmare. And I think that it does those things successfully. My biggest critique of it is that it's way too long for what it is. It maybe should have been a short film. And to be fair, the director has made a short film that is essentially just skin of a rink, but not as long. Yep. I'm like, okay, this captures what I like about it without being like an hour and a half. Honestly, you, you did it. You, you figured it out. Ow. Wow. Wow. I I went to slap my knees because that's that's my exact take, including for the all your listeners. The glasses <laughs> fell on his face, and, and I slapped my I slapped the cord on my headphones, and they they slapped the glasses into my face, and it was frightening. 
Yeah, I, I enjoy Skinema Rink. I, I I'm definitely excited to see what this director does next. If they're if if they're going to keep this kind of tone and presentation, because the most the best part about Skinema Rink is how unique it is. Like it's hard to describe other. It's, it's hard to compare to other films. Yeah, it really. Or really, is. other than just narrative based media in general. Hard to because of how. It, 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 is, it, it challenges the concept of film, yeah, really. Yeah, really, really, what a film could possibly even be, and would someone watch it? It's, it's a film that you could really love. If, you, if, if you're someone who enjoys analog horror or sort of liminal space yeah. stuff, oh, yeah. I think Skinner Rink is a must if you're someone who already likes that. You're going to, you have to see it. It's I think everyone should see it just for the unique experience, but you could definitely watch this film and be like, there's definitely a type of person who will watch this film and be like, nothing happened though I'm like okay well it, it's definitely about the experience and if some people don't don't relate to the experience don't don't get a lot out of it's sort of like it's kind of like watching a film that's like it's like having a conversation with someone who's responding to you in just one word to anything you ask okay yeah it is, that is yes. where every single word they say is kind of ambiguous like okay you said one word there you could you want to elaborate and it, it just refuses to it refuses yeah. to elaborate I yeah, I found it extremely hard to pay attention to, even with it on, even in the dark, with headphones on, with it on this whole screen in front of me. I I found it very hard to not wander off in my thoughts, at least. Oh, it's definitely there are some films where I'm like I enjoy them, but if someone was like I just got up in the middle of it, I'm like yeah, I can understand. Like yeah. it's, just, it's the type of film where I'm like if you get up in the middle of it, you're like I'm not even gonna pause. I'm just gonna leave and I'm gonna come back and it'll still be playing and we'll just <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> It's definitely that kind of film for a lot of people. Yeah, but yeah, really, thank you so much for talking to me so much about movies. This is gonna this is gonna be an awesome episode. This movie, yeah. Any Bo final thoughts? Uh, Bo, you're a little bitch boy, <laughs> and uh, Arias Arias just stay gross. You know, <clears throat> stay gross and maybe don't make three hour films anymore. But you know, you see, live your life. It really is an ordeal. The three hours of it, just being hit over the head. By That's the hardest part about it. Is recommending other people is just the time. First of all, is I, like a lot of people have the, the mindset of like, oh, it's a three-hour film. Like, first of all, you watch TV shows, so I'm, I don't want to hear it about shows <laughs> about films being three hours. You spent three hours. There's literally more than three hours of filler in fucking Breaking Bad and The Sopranos. Yeah. Facts. Reality. But it's like I feel like it's a, it's a matter of like if people don't feel like it's a substantive experience, like. It's it's long because like it doesn't have three hours worth of content to engage them with. It's not so much the three hours; it's that they don't feel as though the content will be worth it, right? Sure. Whereas with, totally. with, they watch plenty of TV shows where it's like, you know, they get more than three hours of entertainment and engagement out of it. You know, if they enjoy what they're watching, so it's like it's not a, it's not a matter of like we need to move past thinking that the length is the problem and not filling out it filling out the length with like actual content and actual substance. Sure, that's the real problem. Yeah. With yeah, and I mean, I really I have a rule about yeah that no movie needs to be three hours long. This one maybe I don't know, but probably not. Maybe probably not. May, pro- I, probably not. There are very few films where I'm like, okay, yeah, this was perfectly fine at three hours. Like maybe some of the, not all of them. Maybe some of the Lord of the Rings are definitely this, not the extended this versions. This is the only this is the only one I'm considering. The Lord of the Rings movies did not have to be three hours long. No movie has to be three hours long except maybe this one. Okay, that's this, this final, is the one that's changing the game. The final, final verdict, yeah. Bo is Afraid maybe deserves it. Maybe it does. I, it's a it's an insane movie. I'm going to have to watch it at least three more times. At least three. <laughs>
thank you for listening to Maybe We'll Talk. And uh, one more time, let me just say thank you to Alex, Fickle Pickle Pie, a.k.a. Weebs, a.k.a. Philosophy, Philosophy, Philosophosity, a.k.a. Flyosity. Uh, thank you so much to T1BG. And uh, is that ever Did I say Fickle Pickle Pie? Thank you so much to everyone that participated in this episode, and thank you to Pete and Josh for making music, as always. We're going to talk to Flacity a little bit more in the next episode, and actually we'll follow up a little more talking about Robert Eggers and some other horror movie stuff that we touched upon in this episode when we talk about Friday the 13th Part 2, the next episode of this podcast, which is going to feature uh, Michelle and Ryan, maybe, and Thrash and Boisvert. I think it's just going to be Thrash and... Michelle Boisvert, and also Flacity, a.k.a. Weebs. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for being here. And like I said, I'm working on a lot of things, including National Novel Writing Month, which if if you if that sounds like a bunch of nonsense to you, you can look at nanorimo.org to see what that's about. Um, the website is the first two letters of each of the words in National Novel Writing Month. <laughs> I don't know if I had to say that. Just in case anyone hears the word NaNoWriMo and is like, what the fuck does that guy want me to type that into a URL bar? Anyway, where was I going? Where are we? What's happening? Where do we find ourselves? I'm going to get that Friday the 13th episode out maybe this week. We'll see. Like I said, all kinds of things are going on. And really, it's going great. So really, my best wishes to everyone. Everyone hearing my voice right now, I really do. I hope I hope things are rolling right along. I think we are all, I hope we are all shoveling ourselves out of our own shit. Like Dr. D, he doesn't call himself Dr. Zap, does he? It's something funny like that. Anyway, Twin Peaks episode one coverage might be coming soon, and, uh, yeah, if you want to know anything else about any of this, check out koyadk.tv. You can uh, check out some of the places where I sell soap, like Etsy and Patreon and stuff, and support me through Patreon and Twitch and other things. And uh, really, a lot of a lot of what I'm doing involves going around to local fairs and craft places and stuff like that. And uh, sometimes I post about those types of plans on my Discord, and you get a, get, get a link to my Discord from koyadk.tv. And, uh, you know, if you join the Discord, you can start, you can join some of these conversations about movies and games and stuff that we're having. So really, yeah, what's up, my internet friends? Thank you for sharing some time with me today. You can find out more on koyadk.tv. And uh, best wishes. Talk to you all soon.